come to say this. Uh, uh, as uh, Wendy had mentioned when she shared uh, this morning in Sunday school class, that uh, when we teach or we preach here, it's a lot different than when we're in Iquitos, Peru. Now, this is a city where I was born and raised, but uh, being in the States and in Spain, sometimes you forget about some of the, the details. A typical Sunday morning, uh, we'll get ready for, for uh, church. The uh, church service starts at 8.30 in the morning. So uh, we have to flag, we flag down a motocarro, which is basically, it's kind of a, like a motorized rickshaw. It's a motorcycle, but they put two wheels on the back, and then there's just, uh, they have a little uh, slat back there. And we have, uh, Wendy gets on one side, and I get on the other, and then one of our girls gets in the middle. The other one has to be on her lap, and then we have, you know, bags and briefcases and so forth for Bibles and, and the teaching material. And so we get that, and we, we travel to... Uh, to the church and uh, but on our way there there's unless it's raining uh, I like it when it's raining now we might get wet but I like it when it's raining because it's not dusty and sandy but if it's not raining uh, we we invariably we go through this area of town there's a lot of dust and a lot of sand and if if our motocarro does not kick it up then other ones coming past us so there's the sand and this dust that comes in our eyes and you don't want to rub it because you rub it and then you scratch your eyeballs, okay? So I get to the church and I'm like this and trying to, you know, maybe eye drops or whatever. And I get into the church and uh, it's very hot there. Now it's only 8.30 in the morning, so it's cooler, you know, than midday. But it's very hot there and they have, there's one fan and it's right above uh, where the pastor's speaking. So I love the cool air, the cooler air, but... Uh, then uh, it makes the, the, the pages of my Bible and my notes go everywhere. So I'm trying to hold the mic and get my Bible from turning back and forth and my notes. Meanwhile, I'm sweating. I have this, uh, this built-in air conditioning system that I got genetically from my father. He just sweat all the time. But it actually brings our core temperature down, I think, a, a whole degree. Okay, I'm, I'm, my body is cooler one, one degree cooler than everyone else on the planet, okay? But I sweat a lot, so I'm, I'm reading, and it's, you know, sweat's coming. You always know where I've been preaching last, because that's where all the water spots are, you know? The, and so, and we finally, you know, we're, we're able to share. We have a wonderful time. Now, uh, yeah, there's, there's more I could share. But anyway, so th that's a typical, that's a, that's a typical uh, a Sunday morning uh, when we go. Uh, I'm, if you would turn in your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 6, I know people have a different, uh, they have a different uh, way of uh, preaching. When I preach, I like to preach all the, using, including all the verses that we're covering. I know some people will go with uh, some preachers or pastors, will, will read one verse and they'll, you know, talk about the, you know, what's going on around it. But I'd like to, I'd like to read uh, the, the chapter. And it starts with, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault, for as much as he was faithful. Neither there was any error or fault found in him. 
Then said these men, We shall not find an occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Before we study this passage, before we study these verses, before we study this chapter, we need to take a look at the book itself, okay? So I want this, the the title of this this, uh, message is God is my judge, but we're going to develop, you say, why is it called that? Well, uh, we're going to see why the title of the message is God is my judge. I was, I was sharing with pastor, this is not a typical missionary uh, sermon, okay? Most missionary sermons are, you know, how to share the gospel where you are and, you know, going to the, you know, ends of the earth. This is to encourage you right where you are. We're going through some very difficult times right now with COVID and with politically and just seeing what's going on in the world. And we need to make sense of it. And I, I, my, my goal is to encourage you in the Lord. So let's take a look at the book of Daniel. Now, the title is the main character. It's Daniel, okay, and his name means God is my judge, and that's why we've named it that, one of the reasons why we've named it that. Uh, You have the verb din, it's to judge or govern, and then you have the word el, okay, Daniel, and that means God, so God is my judge. And, uh, of course, you have the background to this chapter. You have a big thing that happened in his life was his captivity. He was from a noble family, so he was being trained to basically be a leader in his, in his country. He was captured. He had the long trip. And as far as we know, Daniel never got married. He never had children. And he never got to go back to his homeland. Now, to us, that would be difficult. But a man in that time and in that place, that was unthinkable. Those were the most important things. To be with your people. To get married. And to have children. To leave a legacy when you die. And he wasn't able to do any of that. But he was still faithful. So that's, that's what we need to learn today. And what we see too is, not he wasn't just, he didn't just uh, fear God and, and obey God. But he, even among his peers, he was different. And let's take a look at that. In chapter 1, so he was even different from his friends who stood out from the other captives. But in chapter 1, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, we don't know... From what it tells us here, it seems like he was the one that made that decision. He had purposed in his heart. It doesn't say that his friends did, okay? That's not what the Bible tells us. Now, they might have, but it doesn't say that they did. They say he did, okay? So he stood out. He was different. This is something he purposed in his heart. And then later in chapter 1, that was verse 8, later in chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, Only Daniel was given understanding in visions and dreams. It's possibly because he had purposed in his heart not to defile himself. And it says in verse 17, As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning. All of them. That's all four. And wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. When they needed it, they went to Daniel. Because he's the one that had that. They didn't. Okay? Now they stood up, you know, they were, they were special, they, they were faithful to God, but not in this way. So there was something special about Daniel, and you, you could see that this king even could see that. He was different. And Daniel was faced with threats. We see that the palace where he was working every day proved to be, we could say almost in his life, 
was actually more dangerous than going to the den of lions. These people wanted to kill him, and they would do anything to kill him, to end his life. Now, speaking of Daniel, you know, this, is, this chapter is famous for being Daniel in the lion's den. And you think about all the different stories of the Bible. There are some that stand out. You know, you think of, well, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Of course, a lot of people in the world, even un- unsaved people, people that aren't Christians from other religions, they've heard of that, right? Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. Maybe, the, maybe his crucifixion on the cross. But, you know, Daniel lines is one of the best-known stories in the Bible. I like when I, go to, when, I, when I go to church on Sundays, when I go to the institute to teach a class, you know what I talk to the... The, the, the man who's riding, the, you know, taking me on his motocarro, what I'm going to teach, what I'm going to preach. So I preached this there, and I said, you know what I'm preaching on? Daniel. Ah, yes, Daniel lines then. He remembers that, you know. Daniel lines then. Fosso de los leones. And then I'm able to teach him what it means. It's a real well-known story. And uh, the, the, the time frame of this book covers about 70 years. That's a lot. About 605 to 536 BC, and this is a very unique book because it it goes it starts in one language, it goes to another language, and it finishes in a language. We're going to take a look why. Okay. The first part, uh, chapter one, verse one, all the way through chapter two, verse four. The first part of it, so four a, is in Hebrew. Okay. Why is it in Hebrew? Well, it's in Hebrew because it deals with the Jews during Nebuchadnezzar's time, okay? But then it switches. So the, the second part of 2.4, all the way through the end of chapter 7, it's in a different language. It's in Aramaic. But why is it in Aramaic? Why do they switch languages? It doesn't make sense. Well, the reason it switches languages is because it talks about, it deals with the Gentile nations and people. So it's in Aramaic. And then it goes back to Hebrew, starting in chapter 8, all the way through the end uh, through the end of, of 12. Because it talks about the future of the Jews. So that would be in Hebrew. So th- this, is a unique, uh, this is a unique book. And it covers four kings. You have, Nebu- it starts with Nebuchadnezzar. Then it goes to Belshazzar. Then we have Darius the Mede. And then we have Cyrus the Persian. Okay, so you have those four leaders, basically. It covers those four kings. And then you have two uh, empires uh, starts with Babylon and it goes to Persia. And you could you know you could say that it, it, it also touches Medo Persia. But basically, you have Babylon and Persia. And we see here now this isn't the king we're talking about in this chapter, but you see that, it, that some prophecies fulfilled during this time. Isaiah forty four twenty eight tells speaks about Cyrus. Now this is a long time before it actually happens. It talks about this man called Cyrus, okay? It, it names his, it, it gives him a name. A lot, a long time before it even happens. And it even mentions his name. It says in Isaiah 44, 28, it says, That saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. It says Cyrus. Who is this Cyrus? It wasn't a Cyrus. But there's going to be a Cyrus, and this is what's going to happen. And then the next chapter in Isaiah 45, it says, Thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, in whose right hand I have holden, to subdue nations, and before him I will loose the loins of kings, to open before him 
the two leaved gates and the gate shall not shut. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I have even called thee by name. I have sur surnamed thee. Thou, though thou hast not known me, I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city, and he shall go, let go my captives. And I, what really just blows me away in, in this passage is, it says, not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. He didn't get anything out of it. That was inconceivable to a leader. What is it? What's in it for me? He didn't have anything to gain. But God made sure through him that this happened. And this was fulfilled in 2 Chronicles 36. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, and the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is there among you of all his people. The Lord his God be with him and let him go up. So it's fulfilled. He talks about this Cyrus, and finally it's fulfilled. That's just one of the, that is just one. I'm just giving you an example. Of course, we have prophecies that, that you know, were going to happen later, but we see that that happened. And it's all involved with Daniel. So why do I mention Daniel? We'll see why. So we're talking about Cyrus. He made a decree to free the Jews, supporting the building of the temple under Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest, and restored the temple treasures to Jerusalem. When we, when we read that, it's like, take it back. It belongs back to Jerusalem. And he made sure that happened. That was fulfilled. The reason I mention that is in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, it says that Daniel served until the last, the least, at least the third year of King Cyrus, because it says in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar, and the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. So the reason we mention this is Daniel might have something to do with that decree that Cyrus had made. Josephus, and we don't know if he was telling the truth, we just take it for granted, you know, I don't know what you think about it, but Josephus says that he showed Cyrus the prophecy about him in Scripture. Wow, Scripture talks about me. So that might have something to do with it. The Bible says it, well, maybe this is what I should do. We don't know. What, is, what does Scripture say about Daniel, not, you know, going to other parts of the Bible? Well, I would go and see what Jesus had to say. What did Jesus have to say about Daniel? Matthew 24, 15, Jesus calls him a great prophet and names Daniel as the author. There's a reason why I mention this. Because if you look at the way the Jews have the, the books of the Old Testament organized, they don't include Daniel with the great prophets. I don't know if you notice that. They don't even consider him like, yeah. No, we've got to put him over here. Yeah, he prophesied, but they didn't have a lot of respect for him. Okay, But this is what Jesus says. Jesus calls him a great prophet and names Daniel as the author of the book, Okay, if there's any question. Verse 15 of Matthew 24 says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, he calls him a prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. God calls him a prophet. Jesus calls him a prophet. 
And actually, there was no question about who the authorship of that book was till 300. There was this man called Porphyry who was a, a uh, philosopher, and he's the first one that even came up with this idea, okay? But it wasn't even questioned before that. Well, Ezekiel 14, it says, so what else is the Bible? So we took a look at what Jesus said about Daniel. What does the rest of the Old Testament say about Daniel? Though It says in Ezekiel 14, though these three men, okay, these are great men, okay? It names Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Jesus said that he was a prophet. Here he is called righteous, a model of righteousness. And then in verse 20 of that same chapter, though Daniel, though Daniel, Noah rather, Daniel and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Okay, again, it repeats it, righteousness. And then in verse 3 of, tw of chapter 28, Ezekiel 28, Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel, there is no secret that they can hide from thee. So he's considered a wise man, one of the wisest. So he's a prophet, he's righteous, he's wise. This is what the Bible says about Daniel. And we see there that he was different. He stood out from everyone else. So you have the king. In verses 1 through 5, you, it starts off with verses one, uh, 1 and 2, and basically you see that he's setting up his administration, okay? So just basically that, it's that. And then in verse 3, it says that Daniel was preferred, and this is what we were talking about. It says that there was an excellent spirit in him. I like how the, the Spanish in the Reina Valera says it's más abundante de espíritu, more abundance of spirit. Luke 2.52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And that's what happened with Daniel. Something similar. Now you read that about Daniel, you know that? Something similar happened with Jesus. But, but so he, he stood out. He was different. And then you have in verse 4, it talks about the, pre, the presidents and princes. They wanted him eliminated. He was the first one. He was, here's this foreigner, and he's taking first spot. They did not like that. So we see that the palace was a very dangerous environment. But, and it says in verse 4, but they found no fault. He didn't do anything wrong. The only thing they could find fault in him was his dedication to his God. You know, Daniel stood out in another way. Beside the relationship he had with God, he was, it, it looks like he was the only one that wasn't trying to claw his way up to the top. You know, and so here you have this politician. He stands out because he's honest, he's wise, and they're trying to get rid of him. He has integrity, and, and he's also has spirituality. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is what? In the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate, day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season his leaf also shall not wither whatsoever he doeth shall prosper you know this is this is said about someone 
that God can work with, you know, he could do that with us too. It's not just, the Dan, it's not just Daniel. You say, Daniel, oh, but he can do that in our life too. Don't, don't let Satan delude you. We can have that relationship with God too. We need to be committed to him. It's a, and here we see this individual who is completely dedicated to God's will will find opposition inevitable in his life and also his work here. So they're trying to trap him. They're trying to eliminate Daniel. And the only way they can find it in his faithfulness to God's word and, and to God because and he has to obey God's word and he's praying, okay? And this is reflected in his character and his absolute devotion to God. Let's continue. You have uh, verse 6. Uh, it says, Then these presidents and princes assembled together the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. And all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for, for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which, which altereth not. Wherefore, the king Darius signed the writing and the decree. So they use his pride, they use the king's pride, to uh, pr basically bring down Daniel. He thought it was, the king thought that was a pretty good idea. Hey, I'm important. Everyone thinks, and these are the leaders. They, they think I should get all that. Yeah, 30 days, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Well, they had to lie, too, because they said that everyone, well, not everyone, Daniel wasn't in on it, was he? So they had to lie to, to get their way. And then we see in verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So we see um, in, in this verse, he prayed three times a day towards Jerusalem. He knelt, he prayed, and he gave thanks. That's what Daniel did, okay? Every time he did it, he, that, this is what he did. So what does the Bible t say about prayer? Well, where do we pray? Well, once again, what did Jesus say and do? Well, yeah, Matthew 6, it says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is a secret, the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Okay? And then you have in Mark 135, it says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out, departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. Then later in Luke, in Luke 5, 16, and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And then Luke uh, 6, 12, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Well, uh, we're going to continue with Jesus, but you have in Acts uh, 10, 9, you have Peter, of course, you know, he went uh, on the roof to pray. So we see Jesus. Um, he prayed in the morning. He went to solitary place. He went to the wilderness. Uh, he went to mountain. We have... Uh, some of them went to the roof, all these different places. And when should we pray? Well, Jesus said to pray always and not to give up. We have in Luke 18, 1, it says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. So we have pray early in the morning, noon, three times a day, night, basically always, right? And it's a good reminder. You don't, I need to pray more. We all need to pray more. Pray all the time. Have some free time. Pray to the Lord. What do I do? I'm the Lord. Pray. 
So let's take a look. We're going to continue with 11. It says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree, that thou not, hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, Then Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Well, it's interesting. You see in verse 13, it says, Which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee. You know, that foreigner, that guy that was different. We need to be careful when we hear this in the church. This, should not, this is not a church of Christ where... Uh, the Bible has, uh, it has, has verses, it has passages and teaching how we should treat foreigners. This should not be in the church. And they were, these, these unsaved people were using this like, well, besides, he's a foreigner. Now, we really can't trust him because he's from outside. But Christians should not be like that. We need to be very careful when someone says that uh, to us. That's something the world does. That's not what we believers should be doing. And then in verse 14, uh, it says, Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. You know, I think this was a similar case when he heard this news about Daniel. I don't think he believed it. I think it's like when Potiphar heard what went on, was supposedly went on with Joseph. didn't really believe it when he heard it and had to deal with it, Okay. Uh, because he trusted Daniel, and all he was, he was concerned about Daniel, not that, well, he did this, you know, against me. I don't think he believed it from the beginning. Um, but why did it bother him when he found this news out about Daniel? This is what he had to do. Of course, he thought, you know, maybe tonight I'll figure out a way to get a skirt the issue, but uh, the law, but he couldn't. Why did it concern him? You have to understand, the kings, you know, in that part of the world, that time, they were very superstitious, okay? As far as we know, he did not fear God. He knew about God because apparently Daniel had shared with him about his God. He knew his God was great. But they were very superstitious, and he saw Daniel's death as a setback for him and his empire. But why do, you, why do I say that? Well, first of all, he knew that Daniel was wise and able. You want someone like that in your kingdom, working for you. And besides that, he was honest. Can you imagine having someone that's wise and able, and then he's honest? And to make things uh, greater, he had a direct, direct relationship to God himself. So if he is the instrument in killing Daniel, what is God going to think? Think what God might do if he was disappointed by Daniel's death. Something might happen to Darius or his kingdom. He didn't want that to happen. And so you have in verse 15, it says, Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, No king that the law of the Medes and Persians, and no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. And of course, he's sorry. He, saw, he signed that decree. And it says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of the lions. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Now, as I mentioned before, it's possible. There's probably great probability, great possibility that Daniel had shared his faith with the king. Okay, so he knew about this, this, this God that Daniel. Because if if Daniel had not shared, how would he know about this God that is going to save him? Well, Daniel surely would have shared his faith 
with the king. Then in verse 17 it says, And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. So the men, we see that the men did everything in their power to make sure of Daniel's death and demise. Now before we see what happened to Daniel, I hope I have enough time here. I have to cut out some of these, the scripture. Before we find out what happened to Daniel, what does the Bible say about someone who's faithful? Okay, I'm going to see about what it says and what, what it doesn't mean. Okay, We have in Job 1, it says, Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Who is in charge? Satan? God. Nothing happens to you unless God allows it to happen. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. God is in charge. We need to remember that in our own lives. In Psalm 55, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And then Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then Luke 12, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. After that, can do no more. But I will show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Okay? Now this reminds me, this, this hatred that these men had reminds me, we won't go into it, but, but uh, when Stephen was stoned, they didn't want to hear what he said, and they just basically, ah, and then they killed him. Remember that? They don't, they don't care. They just want, want him killed. They want him dead. And then... Uh, continue in verse 20 it says and when he came to the den he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel and the king spake and said to Daniel O Daniel servant of the living God is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions then said Daniel unto the king O king live forever my God has sent his angel and has shut the lions mouths that they have not hurt me for as much as before him Innocency was found in me, and also before thee. And then was the king exceedingly glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den what do we learn in this these verses he is the living and eternal god his kingdom is eternal he rescues and saves he performs signs and wonders remember the the title of the the uh, sermon is god is my judge so why do why why do we use that it's not just because it's the the name of daniel at the time of this writing if you were to ask anyone who is the most powerful being in the universe, 
Someone on the street, what would they say? Darius. He decides who lives. He decides who dies. He decides if you can keep your wealth, take it away. Your house, take it away. You have a job, you can take it away. You can do anything he wants. But you know what? That's not true. God is the person. He's the one. He's the one that is in charge. God himself is the one who judges. In the end, God will make sure everything is made right. And he can distinguish the truth from the lies as opposed to what this king could do. And he knows what the difference is between the inward and the outward. He knows the intent of our hearts. And this is the confidence that Daniel had and the the confidence that he lived by. What did Daniel do when he was faced with this? He prayed and trusted in God, the God of the scriptures, the God of Israel, the one and only God, the all-powerful God, the God who judges. It is not teaching that no matter what happens to you, God is going to rescue you. That is not what this passage is teaching. We, we know that because we have people in, let's say, communist countries, or that's, uh, maybe they're Hindus or Buddhists that are they're persecuting Christians directly, maybe putting to death their children right in front of their face, and then they put them to death or they imprison them. God didn't rescue them. But in general, he does. We see this throughout history in our lives. In general, God does that. Okay, So I, we need to distinguish those two. And this happened with, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel was not there. But do you remember, do you remember how, they, uh, how they had full confidence that God was going to rescue them? And then they said, But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods and worship the golden image which uh, you have set up. So what does this have to do with, with us? We're talking about an eternal kingdom. And this uh, we see in, in Daniel 4. It says, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth. None can stay his hand and say unto him, what doest thou? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, pray and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways and judgments, those who walk in pride he is able to base. Okay, we're going to finish with this. We need to think about how, how does this, deal, you know, how do we deal, relate this to our lives? Well, you know, it's obvious Daniel was raised in a Christian home, had Christian parents that taught him, from scripture he had a relationship to God and he was able to even as a young man when he was taught all these things a new religion you know about the religion he didn't follow it but the the new culture new language was given a name everything was turned upside down but he stayed faithful and he trusted God because he knew God was in control so we need to figure out what is happening there's a lot of things going on around us this COVID is just—it made things crazy, but we need to remember God is in control. You have this young man; everything's going great. Probably going to private school, private tutors. He's getting ready to be a leader, 
you know, royal, maybe royal family. He had plans. I'm going to get married. Maybe he had a girlfriend. We don't know. Maybe they, the parents had, you know, something arranged. He's planning to get married, have kids, work, normal, be in his hometown. He had plans. He had things he wanted to do. That was all put over here for him to be able to serve God, to do a specific thing. We're still talking about Daniel today. He had his plans. He had his things he wanted to do. But God had other, and he, he was an instrument. What does it say um, in Daniel 2? It says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might, hast made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. So we see he sets up kings, he gives wisdom, and he reveals. And I'm just going to finish with this. I take it, I think I'm, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. You're faithful people coming here. If there's someone that's listening to this, I don't know if you have this on the internet. If there's someone that's listening to the sermon, you don't have that relationship to God, you're not sure if you're saved, you can have the same relationship to God that Daniel did. It says in John 1, we can receive him and believe. We can have that same relationship with God that he had. It says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which was born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Pastor? Thank you, Brother Patton, for bringing that message to us in a time when we are tempted to put our trust and our hope in who rules and reigns over us. This is a good reminder. God's the one who ultimately decides that. God works through us in the midst of whoever is in charge of where we live. God is the judge. So we ought to live for his judgment, not for the assessment or the opinions of society and, and culture around us. And so thank you for that message, that encouragement. Let's do this. I will pray uh, to close the service and for the food. Then we'll stand and sing our last song. Jared will come and lead us for that. And then uh, as far as dismissing, I'm going to let um, uh, Alberta and Karen and Clara and Retta go first and, uh, and the Stanleys and uh, Jim and Karen, and then we'll let the patents go, and then we'll let the rest of us go, all right? So we'll kind of dismiss in that order. So let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, you are our judge. You are a faithful judge. You say in your word that it is high time for judgment to begin with the household of God, that we ought to judge and evaluate ourselves, that we might not be judged by you that you judge righteous judgment. Lord, help us to have these truths in mind that your 
assessment of us is the thing that is most important to us, that as we, as the Thessalonians did, have faith that is tested by persecution and continues, that we would see in that, even as you did for them, a sign of your vindication and evaluation and judgment that they did in fact belong to you and that they were faithfully serving you and that you would deliver them, not perhaps in their lifetime because many of them died for their faith, but you would give them rest and vindication at the return of Jesus. And so, Lord, whether you deliver us in the moment, as you did for Daniel and his three friends, or whether you deliver us through the persecution by your eternal assessment of faith, Lord, we anticipate your great work in our lives, and we ask that you give us strength to faithfully serve you. Lord, as we go to this time of fellowship, we pray that the food would give us strength, that it would be a joyful time, good conversation and encouragement, and that uh, you would use this as part of what you do in the church to draw us closer to each other. And when I say the church, not just our local church here, but churches in Peru and in the west side of Michigan and across the country that we have opportunity to fellowship with, um, even as we have those come and visit with us like the Patents. And so we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.